This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And today we have something completely different because for the second time in the history of however many shows we've had, like 178 or 79 or 80, whatever this, whatever this is, we have a guest. Jesse Garcia is with us today, and Jesse has written the book, narrated the book. It went straight to audio. She's also a listener of the show. So, Jesse, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm so honored and humbled by what you just said, being the second guest. Uh, the pressure's on. The pressure is on. And you are, in, in terms of being in front of the microphone, you are not probably the average listener. Can you give us a little bit of your background? That is true. I um, have been, or was, a television sportscaster for uh, over 20 years. Um, uh, and I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and, uh, I still am involved in television and in a management role now at the NBC affiliate here and became a writer. My first book came out in 2013, which was a memoir about being Wisconsin's first female sports anchor. And one of the first on the, on the local scene back in the early nineties, and then wrote two other nonfiction books and then decided to switch over to fiction, uh, which we can get more into. But, um, as far as my background goes, I was, I was the green Bay Packers sideline reporter and hosted, uh, NFL coaches shows and those types of things. So yes, I was familiar with a microphone, but I don't want that to scare anybody away. If they're thinking about possibly doing an audiobook. I want to, you know, as we go on in this show, talk more about how anybody can do this. And I would love to spend the next half hour talking to you about sports, but I know <laughs> Taylor, Taylor would kill me because t whenever Not I try literally. and talk about sports with Taylor, it just we get silent. So we'll skip over the sports stuff. Taylor, do you want to talk about how how we we heard we heard from Jesse? So, and I'm sure Jesse will fill in more of these details as we get further into the show, but Jesse is a listener of our show and some many eons ago had sent us in a question about producing a book direct to e direct to audio. And we didn't totally understand the question at the time, but we answered it on the show as best as we could. And Jesse was very grateful for it and then came back however many years later, and said, hey, I did it. Do you guys want to hear about my experience? And I went, yes! <laughs> and that's how we're here. And so the book <laughs> is Death at the Dog Park. And this is a little bit unique in that you did release straight to audio. So first, let's, let's talk for a minute about the story and then get into the decision of going straight to audio. Right. So I wrote this book uh, about a year ago or so. I had the idea when I was at the dog park with my, my dog uh, and just thinking about uh, fiction and a murder mystery and a suburban mystery, that kind of thing. So I sat down and started writing it. Uh, I am a bit of a pantser. I just, I don't really, gen I don't lay out ahead of time. I just go wherever it goes. Uh, but I was at the end, you know, happy enough with it to at least 
try to send it out to some agents and some regional publishers and that kind of thing. I gave myself about six months or so to, to try that and didn't get really anywhere and, you know, got a lot of rejections or just no responses, which is completely normal in the publishing world. Uh, and I also knew from publishing nonfiction that it takes a very long time. Even if I found an agent, then they'd have to find a publisher. And even if you signed with a publisher tomorrow, it would be 18 months minimum before the book is actually out. So during all this, my mom actually sent me an article from the New York Times that talked about how some authors are going straight to audiobooks. Um, and the reason being that the audio companies want to say, you know, a audible original available only on audiobook, you know, that sort of thing. And more and more people are listening to audiobooks, as we know, because they're busy, they're on the go, they want to listen while they're driving or running or cooking or whatever. Uh, and I'd always wanted to try an audiobook. So I thought, you know, why, why not give this a go and just go straight to audio uh, and see how it goes? I can always publish the print version, but I'm going to try doing just audio exclusive and, uh, and see how it goes. And I just literally Googled, you know, publishing an audio book and found, uh, you mentioned Authors Republic, Steve, mm -hmm. there are several different places that can launch your audio book, but they are distribution platforms and you provide them with the completed MP4 files and then they go from there and they, uh, I'm sorry, MP3 files, I should say, uh, and they go from there and they uh, get it all set to go. You do have to provide a cover as well. So uh, briefly, I'll just touch on this. And if you want to talk about any of the rest of it, uh, you need to figure out how to record all your chapters. You need to have an audio engineer who will edit out all, all of your mistakes because you're inevitably going to make mistakes as you're reading. I mean, there were some chapters that I would say to my poor guy, you know, I'm sorry, I had about 20 mistakes in this chapter. Uh, I would clap every time I had a mistake so that when he's looking at the waveform, he can see where it peaks and there's a mistake and he can go in and edit that out. And you have to hire um, a graphic designer or somebody to make a cover for you. And then you have to write the blurb and uh, you have to provide a sample. But from that point forward, the audio distribution company takes it and they send it out to 30, well, in the case of Authors Republic, 30 different audio platforms, including the big ones, you know, Audible and Nook and all those types of things. I want to know how Jesse interacted with our show first. Like, I know you were a listener, right? Like, yes. How, how did we even get you here? You know, like, this, is, <laughs> this is so fun for me. It's like a snake eating his tail type thing. So tell us from the beginning. Sure. So um, after I'd written these three nonfiction books, which were great fun, but I, I just wanted to try fiction. And first I took a fiction writing workshop here in Milwaukee, and then um, I had a few ideas, but I wanted, I was taking these long walks with my dog, et cetera, and I wanted to listen to some inspiration about fiction writing while I was walking. So I just looked on my podcast app, looked up fiction writing, and, uh, you know, there's, there are a lot of them out there, but I, I'm not blowing smoke here. Yours was my favorite. Uh, and I became a devoted listener to listening to the Taylor Stevens show because you had so much good advice. Uh, I really learned a lot. Uh, characters in motion, you know, setting different ways of setting the scene. Different. Uh, I love the Hack the Craft episodes. I went back and changed uh, the beginning of several of the fiction pieces that I was working on. Uh, not just the beginning, but also later, but definitely at least the, the start of it based on advice you gave. So I was, a, I was a, a very devoted fan. And then after my mom had sent me this article, I wrote you the 
email asking about um, audiobooks, and you had a really great piece of advice in the show where you talked about it. I don't know if you remember this, but you said it really depends on what your ultimate goal as a writer is. If your goal is to be a New York Times bestseller, you need to go the traditional publishing route. If that's not your goal, you know, then yeah, you can go at it any way you want. Uh, And I really sat and thought about my goals and not that I would turn down being a New York Times bestseller, but that was not my goal. Um, You know, my goal was to create something that I was proud of and put it out in the world in a timely fashion and and have some people enjoy it, hopefully. Um, And, you know, I had a day job and I I wasn't looking to make a a full time living off of it. It it was just a fun, you know, side hobby. So I took that advice to heart. And that's what I really decided to go forward on the audio book. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So I'm also really interested in your research process of how you chose the audio company that you chose. (laughs) I wish I had a better story here. Uh, You know, good old Google. I just looked at a few different ones and this one had some good reviews. It looked like it was very professionally run. And, um, you know, I, I have no problem saying what the profit split is on the air because you can find that in two seconds on Google. You know, it said that uh, authors would keep 70 percent and they would keep 30 percent and you keep uh, or you set the price. So you get to you know choose whatever your own audiobook price is. Although I will say that uh, the, each audio distribution company gets to decide from there if they're going to go with your suggested price or go higher or lower than that. So you don't have the ultimate say in that. And let me uh, let me jump in here. Like for a streamlined process. Yeah, go ahead. Let me jump in here for a second. And when you say 70 percent, I think what you mean is 70 percent of what they get. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you more definitively. Um, you know, numbers have never been my thing. Okay, a, I, uh, I, can, I can say definitively that that's what it is. So for people okay. out there listening, uh, each audio, like Apple iBooks has, has one payment structure. Kobo has another pay, payment structure. Uh, Amazon Audible has a, another payment structure. So whatever, whenever you distribute through one of those, there is a net that goes to the creator. And so what you're talking about then is you get 70% of that net that goes to the creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe, well, I mean, based on what you're saying, yes, that's accurate. I, uh, every month you go to your dashboard and mm-hmm. there's a new updated, uh, you know, how many times it's been downloaded, how much your check is, and it just comes through PayPal. So, uh, you know, again, not something that I'm looking to make a million dollars off, just something that I wanted to get out into the world. So you- I have another question. Go ahead. I have another question. Yes. Um, just so I'm, I'm coming from this from the perspective of I have no clue, nothing, right? Let's say I wanted to record my own audiobook. Where did you start in terms of finding equipment? Did you have to go rent out a sound booth or did you just do it in your home? Like, how did you even get started? Well, now here's where it gets kind of funny. <laughs> So I had access as a journalist to just a small, you know, digital recorder. And I thought, oh, I'm going to record an audiobook. I'll just sit in my at my kitchen table and read this book. It'll be easy peasy. By digital I, recorder, you mean like one of those little things that kids will take to school to record like a class like that you can buy for $50 in Walmart or Amazon, like that kind of digital recorder? This one was slightly nicer. It's called a Zoom. Uh, okay. And, um, you know, it's used, I was teaching some journalism classes at a university at the time. And uh, so it was used in the journalism classes. And so I, I borrowed a Zoom and uh, I thought that I would just record it here in my kitchen. Uh, 
<laughs> Let me just say that my advice to listeners is um, not to do that uh, <laughs> because I, I wound up setting myself back just months upon months. You know, long story short, I well, I, I ran a sample. I sent it to I hired a, a guy who had done video editing uh, with me on some projects and asked him if he would just do audio editing. And we did a sample chapter. He said it sounded great. So then I went ahead and recorded, you know, three, four, I don't know how many chapters. And then when I sent it to him, he said, I'm, you know, I actually hear your refrigerator kicking in oh, and, no. and I hear birds outside and I hear the air conditioner and I hear, you know, it was just this list of things that he heard. And so then next I went to my teenage son's closet, which is a <laughs> cedar line closet. And I bought some of that audio uh, padding, you know, put that up and I tried recording in there. Well, here's my next bit of advice. I was reading it off a of Google Doc on my phone, which seemed the easiest way to me to read it and scroll through it without like making any tapping noises on a computer or anything. I learned later that uh, the cell phone companies send a ping to your phone like every 20 minutes or so. So we would get these little bursts of static on the line that I could oh. not figure out. So I would say do not read off of your phone. Uh, um, even if I disabled all my notifications and everything, it's still I was still getting these pings. Um, then I tried at this point, you're still reading into the Zoom, right? I'm still reading into the Zoom. Okay. Then, uh, but I hadn't figured out that it was the phone at this point. So then a friend of mine had a little um, office space in, now that, again, this is where it gets kind of humorous. It's an old funeral home in West Dallas, Wisconsin, outside of Milwaukee, that's been turned into a creative space for artists and writers and the like. And she said, just, you know, come out here and record it here. Um, I've got some padding up on the wall, et cetera. So I did, I don't even know, half dozen chapters out there, and we kept getting these weird noises on there, static, and the, the audio engineer was saying, it sounds like a foghorn blowing. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, I'm this place is haunted. Like, <laughs> this isn't working either. Bottom line, after months of wasting time on this, I finally decided to actually pay somebody to go to a real studio. Uh, which is what I would suggest for people right off the bat. There are a lot of audio specs that you have to meet, uh, and Authors Republic lays those out, or any of the audio places that you would go to. You know, certain decibel levels and certain things, and, and you really want it to sound professional. Um, you don't want it. You can tell. You know when you listen to something and it sounds amateur. But here's my question: If if you hadn't been reading it off the phone and you'd been printing, had printed it out or whatever, would you have still run into all those troubles, or would your son's cedar lined closet actually have worked for you? It might have worked, although I was worried about rustling papers in the background. I didn't want to, you know, print off papers. Uh, and my laptop, you have to like push the button, you know, arrow down, you know, to keep reading, which I, I felt like that would make a noise as well. It was actually really tricky to figure out how to read it. Um, so, it, you know, it wasn't until I got into the professional studio where he had more like an iPad that I could scroll through, uh -huh. um, you know, using my finger uh, just to scroll that didn't make any noise. Um, and this was a friend of a friend, uh, you know, who had a, uh, recording studio and he, he also, I was so fortunate, uh, doubled as a, he did the original music for it. Um, but there are ways, I mean, there are, there are music sites, free music sites. If you want to use music, uh, the cover, I hired a friend of mine, a graphic designer to do it and just paid him with dinner. But, uh, you can also, I looked up a place called selfpubbookcovers.com. 
and they have thousands of book covers that you can purchase. And once it's purchased, that's your original, you know, nobody else is going to purchase it. So I thought about going that route. I was looking at all these images of like parks and trees and dog parks. And, you know, it was, uh, the whole thing was uh, quite an experience, but it was really fun because you're taking complete control of it and you're, you're putting out into the world what what you want to put out. But again, my advice would be, even though it's probably going to set you back, um, I would have to venture to say a couple thousand dollars if you hire a professional to do it in a studio. It's probably worth it to get a really good quality product out in a, in a timely manner and to not have that stress and worry. And by doing it at the studio, like a professional studio, do they also handle all the audio mixing and get you the files and everything? Or is that something you had to do separately? Yeah, they did that. And that's the other thing. I didn't want to mess with that stuff. So when I hired somebody, you know, I said, I'm going to send you the specs from Authors Republic. I need to make sure you can match those specs. And then you send me back the files. For instance, your files have to come one chapter at a time. So each one is its own file. And then you upload each chapter individually to them. So, you know, he was sending me, you know, one big file that had all the little files in it that I could easily upload. And I just trusted that he had done all of the proper specs at that point. I just, that, that's just too far outside my wheelhouse to have to deal with. Did they do all the post-production for you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you mean the, the, the audio place or Authors Republic? Well, the, no, the audio place. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he did everything. Um, I would go in, it probably took me about five days or so of recording, mm -hmm. um, which was actually pretty accelerated. I mean, I was there for eight hours, probably two of the days and my voice was getting so tired by the end. <laughs> and, and I was getting so tired because, um, you stand up or you don't have to, but I wanted to stand up because I know too, that you get better air out of your lungs if you're standing. So I'd be standing for eight hours and my, you know, by the end, like my ankles and my calves were getting really sore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, uh, I also just, I wanted to kind of get it down on tape if I could as quickly as possible and get it to him. But then, you know, he needed time to also create the music. I sent him some samples of free music that I found on YouTube, uh, just as ideas, you know, this is the, this is the style I'm going for. It needs to be a little bit spooky, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, he created the music that's off the top and at the end. Now let's talk about the performance aspect of doing an audiobook. I've, I've done lots of podcasting and, and a lot of, a lot of people have said to me, why don't you do audiobooks? And I, as a test, just for my own information, I tried reading a book, narrating a book, and I was terrible. There is a <laughs> there is a performance aspect to this that I don't know whether it was natural for you, but it's there. In in the book, you're performing the, the various characters. Yeah, and there were uh, there's about a half dozen, you know, main characters and then a lot of secondary characters. I had their head I had their voices in my head. Uh, but it is tricky because especially when you're doing it four or five different times, and these weren't all days in a row either, you know, spaced out over the course of a week or whatever, um, you have to remember how you did each character's voice. And so sometimes I would practice beforehand, you know, run through their voices again. Uh, and there, you have little different mental tricks, you know, with different people, you'd be like, okay, breathier on this person, you know, uh, lower on this person, higher on this person or whatever it is mm -hmm. that, uh, but, but nobody knows your book and your characters like you do. That was kind of how I thought of it. Uh, you can hire a narrator The authors Republic has a whole section on how to hire 
a professional narrator as well. If you're not comfortable narrating it yourself, uh, you absolutely can go that route. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought, well, it, it's easier for me to just read it myself because I know it's coming. I didn't have to highlight in different colors. I've heard other audiobook authors say, you know, this person's all in yellow and this person's all in blue so that they, when they get to it, they know. But I knew exactly, I knew my book so well. Mm -hmm. I knew what was coming. I knew which character's voice to go where. Um, it was just a matter of remembering all the different voices. But it was fun. You know, I just, I had to channel my third grade acting class was, you know, <laughs> the last time I really took acting. But <laughs> I figured, you know, again, what the heck? I mean, just put it out there. If it sells to friends and family only, that's fine. It's just fun to fun to do it, to have this creative outlet on the side. When you wrote the book, did, did you keep in mind that I'm going to be narrating this so that, like, did you, for example, avoid characters with accents or add characters with accents? <laughs> that's an excellent question. I wish that I had had more characters with accents because it's an easy way to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not, I wouldn't be very good at accents. Um, you know, I've heard other audiobooks where there's, let's say, one of the characters is British or something like that. And when you have a professional narrator, they can do this fabulous British accent. And I thought, that's genius. You know, that immediately sets that character apart from everybody else, where my characters were not. And so I had to just go higher or lower or, you know, different uh gravelly different amounts of gravel in your voice or there's you know there's the teenager there's you know there's all these different sort of characters that you and you have to sort of do do them as caricatures in a way of themselves in order for the the differences to be pronounced you mm -hmm. know so the bored teenager really has to sound like a bored teenager um etc you know uh so that people when they're listening because you realize that they don't have it in front of them and they don't want to be confused. So, uh, but when I wrote it, I wasn't I wasn't thinking of it going straight to audio. I was thinking of it as a as a print book. Um, moving forward, if I do another one, I was thinking, boy, I really should figure out a way to have different, uh, yeah, whatever accents, intonation, something that makes them uh, makes them different without me having to go ten different ranges. Do you think that all the false starts that you had in recording, all the, mis you know, the wasted time, so to speak, actually helped you do a better performance when the real one came around? <laughs> Probably you're right, but I read that first chapter so many times. <laughs> I was so sick of reading, you know, really the first about six chapters because we kept having these stops and starts. And, uh, you know, there'd be times when I thought, oh, I really did that one really well. I'm really happy with that chapter. And then the audio engineer would say, I'm really sorry, that's just not usable. Um, what we, we also tried to do, this was a mistake as well. He would tell me, everything is great in there except paragraphs X and X have this weird static. So then I would say, well, what if I just do redo paragraphs X and X? Because I was happy with the rest of it. And we tried that, but it, of course, it's not going to sound seamless. So that was also a waste of time. You know, my voice would sound a little bit different. He'd be trying to jam this paragraph in with the rest of it. And, you know, finally, I said, I really do have to start over from the very beginning, don't I? And, you know, it just that was all just wasted time. But I have to just chalk it up as wasted time and move forward. When the post-production was happening, did they get back with you with fixes that need to be made, needed to be made? Yes. Um, so there was only there were only a couple little things. He said that uh, there's there's one scene when I have the husband of the main character and he's just wearing an Under Armour shirt. 
And I remember the audio engineer getting back to me and saying, you said under army shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? I didn't know I said that. So I had to go back in for one day of uh, quick fixes. It mm -hmm. took less than an hour. I mean, there were maybe three or four things that he noticed. But, you know, I was grateful that he was listening to the whole thing. And I sent him the Google Doc so that he could look and compare mm -hmm. as he was going to the actual words and make sure I didn't do anything wrong. There was one other one where he said, I think you had the wrong character's voice at this part um, because you said, you know, this one character's name, but uh, the voice is this other character's. And um, I realized he was right. So just having that extra set of eyes was was key. Yeah, that's that's a big part of the value of of having an extra person to do the post production. And it sounded like you got all of that just by the selection of the of the studio that you used. Yeah, I I mean I I was very fortunate in that you know again it was friend of a friend who knew somebody who does um, radio commercials here in town and mm -hmm. you know who was willing to willing to let me do this with him and uh, I thought he was getting so sick of me you know because <laughs> it just you know the whole thing took a while and so you know I was writing to him going I am so sorry you know if this is too much. Uh, but in the end, uh, he, he said that he enjoyed doing it and he'd like to do another one. So I hope I'm not putting too much pressure on him by saying this on a podcast, but I'd love to have him, uh, I'd love to have him back again if he's willing to do another one. I have a couple other books that I've written novels, uh, that I'm debating turning into audiobooks. but you know, it's not a, it's not a quick process as you just heard. I mean, you've got to figure out the cover. You've got to take the time to record. And one last thing that I would throw out about the recording is as I was reading it, I realized a few times that it didn't read out loud as well as it read on the paper. So I would try if I could to read the chapter out loud to just to myself before I go to tape with it. And, you know, there are certain times when I would have to add in, you know, he said while doing blah, 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 or she said, or something like that, because it didn't seem to me as if the reader would exactly understand what was happening here or who was saying that. Uh, so sometimes I was changing it on the fly, but in general, I tried to read in advance, just sitting alone in my living room before I would go to the studio and read that chapter. Because otherwise, again, you're just wasting everybody's time. Hmm. Now, have you given any thought to just taking the manuscript and turning it into an ebook or a print book? Yeah, because that I was actually wondering that because you've you said you just already did all this work. You already had to get the cover. You've already, you know, gone through all this multiple, I guess you could almost say you're line editing on the fly, you know, changing things. You've got this completed product product. Why only audio? Well, I wanted to see if it was accurate what I read in this New York Times article that these audio places would kind of give you a little push if you were an exclusive audio. You know, if they had sections that said exclusive, you know, audio only or something along those lines. So I thought I'd kind of give it the old college try on that. And then, I, you know, I sort of felt like I could always go to just putting it out in print. And and I probably will uh, at some point. But and this is all very new. This um, I, I sent it to um, Authors Republic around Christmas ish. And they said that it would take about six weeks. And I never heard anything. Uh, and I was thinking, I wonder if I got rejected because they tell you that, you know, you have to meet all of these qualifications in order for them to send it out and distribute it. 
Uh, and then all of a sudden I got an email from PayPal saying your, your first royalty check is in. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, that's how <laughs> you I knew said, the book was released. That's how I knew the <laughs> that's book crazy. was crazy. <laughs> and <laughs> I Googled my own name and, and the title death of the dog park. And I see that it's on audible and I said, Whoa, wait a minute. And then I went to authors Republic to my sales dashboard and realized what I needed to do in terms of like putting in the proper dates to see the receipt. And it said it had been downloaded 35 times at that point, you know, and I had a modest check, which is fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not what I was doing it for. But uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is actually out in the world right now. Uh, so that was kind of a funny uh, surprise as well. So but to, to answer your question, I think I probably will put it in print, but I'm just going to give it a few months at least and see how it goes with just audio. Do you find that you they are actually doing what you'd hoped and giving it a boost that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise? I would say uh, not yet, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's only out on maybe four or five audio platforms right now. So if there are more to come, I don't know how that process works or how long that takes. They said that they work with up to 30 audio um, platforms. So, so we'll see. I mean, I went and I trolled around on Audible and it wasn't that easy to find, you know, to be perfectly honest with you. I was looking under like new releases and, you know, different, trying to find if there was an area for audio only. Yeah, I think there was, if I remember correctly on there, but, um, there are so many audiobooks, way more than I ever thought, honestly. You so, should try the ebook and print book world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have. Believe me. Yeah, I, I have. I mean, with my first three books, I, the nonfiction books, I, totally get it, you know, and I, I worked with a regional publisher on two of those. So I, I get how, how the whole process goes. I had self-published one of my um, nonfiction books and then and traditionally published two of them. So I had a good experience in uh, both worlds and kind of knew how both worked. Um, so that's another reason I thought, you know, I've kind of tried both of those. Let me just see what the world of audio only is like. And is this more of the future? Are people, you know, is there even a need to go to, um, to print, or could you just go to audio uh, and see if if people are enjoying it that way? I honestly, I think more people have. You know, it's only thirty five people, but that's probably more than you know I would have gotten other than friends and family who didn't even know it was out yet. Um, if I had just gone to an ebook or something, you know. Yeah. So I I don't know. It, it may or may not be the future, but I figured. Why not try? What the heck? And I would encourage anybody else out there to to really give it a try if that's something you're thinking about, whether or not you narrate it yourself or hire a narrator. Yeah, audiobooks are the fastest growing part of the publishing industry right now. And it, in, in some instances, it's the only growing part of the publishing industry right now, um, yeah. which, is, which is great. Um, and I know when you first sent the email, I, that was – referring to a specific author and I I'm drawing a blank on his name it's somebody who I'd read a lot of his books and he's oh Michael Lewis I yes. think I think it was Michael Lewis who is a an amazing nonfiction writer and Michael Lewis was doing an audio original for Audible and uh, Audible threw a lot of weight behind that and made it available to all subscribers for free in essence and I know the way they pay on those free books, so it, it would have worked out very well for Michael Lewis. Um, but I, I would question whether or not they would do that for someone that was a mid-level author or below. 
Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, and, and the New York Times article, I'm sure, was just referring to audio originals when you're talking about a big powerhouse kind of name. And that's what I found when I went on Audible. You know, I was looking at their, their um, originals and they were really big, well-known people and well-known names. And that's fine. You know, I totally, completely get that. I have no problem with that. Like I said, there's such a big competition with all of these audiobooks that mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect to be anywhere except where I am, you know, which is just one of the many, um, you know, mysteries or whatever they put it under, um, domestic suspense or whatever. I forget which category they had it exactly under. And there are many, but that's another reason, like with your, your cover, that's another thing I would say is you want your cover to pop. You want your description to pop as much as you possibly can. And you want to spread the word, um, you know, tell everybody, you know, I'm still debating whether to have an audiobook launch party. Uh, you know, I've had other traditional book launch parties, mm-hmm. but would it be weird to have an audio book launch party when you have nothing to actually sign or give people, uh, you know, you just play part of the audiobook. So I'm still debating whether I want to do that or not. But, you know, for now, I'm just trying to spread the word that it's out there. And, you know, hopefully if there's a little word of mouth from friends or whoever, um, that's all that really matters. You know, just if I have a few people uh, listen to it and enjoy it, um, or if it's even just a building block for me, if they say, you know, Hey, it was, it was okay, but you could improve on X and X. I'd take that as well. Yeah. I think this is an amazing accomplishment. The fact that you, you essentially self-taught yourself how to produce an audiobook and narrate an audiobook and publish an audiobook, And you did it all in a relatively short period of time. Cause it wasn't that long ago when you sent, when you sent us the email, when you were just thinking about it. And now here it is. I mean, on, on Audible, it says the release date was December 21st. So six weeks, right. five weeks ago. And um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I am, I'm tickled that, that you did this. I'm super, <laughs> super well, thank you. Thank you. I think it was last summer that I, yeah, that I had originally written to you guys and that I was, uh, that I was thinking about it. So, and you know, last thought is uh, as far as like teaching yourself to be a narrator, I did watch a few YouTube videos about it. Um, and there are some where there were some really good audiobook narrators sort of giving you the tricks of the trade. And, um, and I enjoyed watching those, took a few things away from those. So I feel like in today's world, you can teach yourself how to do anything, honestly, between YouTube and Google. And it, it really wasn't that hard. So I would encourage anybody out there to consider it. Jesse Garcia, thank you so much for reaching out to us. Thank you so much for being part of the Taylor Stevens family and, and for sharing this cool story with us. We really enjoyed it. Well, thank Love. you. Thank you so much. You two have just been such a great inspiration to me, and I just continue to enjoy and listen to your show, and thanks for all you do for authors. And for all you guys out there listening, if you've got any questions, just pop them into the Taylor Stevens fan club group. We'll be sure they get answered. Uh, If you're considering audio yourself, I'd I'd love to hear from you. I know Carol Newsom had just released uh, audio for her series, which is also a dog park-themed uh, thing I think I think Carol just did a an audio box set which is pretty exciting. She but just under the name C A Newsom. Yes, thank you, thank you, C A Newsom. So check that out. The book, the audio book, is Death at the Dog Park. We will have a link to it in the show notes. We'll have a link to the audible the audible version and the Amazon version because those are the only ones I have the links to. Uh, but we will do that. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back in your ear again next Tuesday. 
And I just want to tack on one small little thing. If you're not in the Facebook group and you want to drop a question to us, you can reach me at contact at taylorstevensbooks.com or you can leave a comment on the show's page and we'll get your question there. And thank you so much for being here and we'll be with you again next week.